0: of Ruth to chapter three, Ruth chapter three, Father in heaven, God, even now, as we turn the pages of our Bible, find it on our phone, wherever it is we may be looking. We ask, God, that your Holy Spirit begin to work in our lives, into our minds, in our hearts, so that our hands change and our feet change and our tongue changes, God. Transform us here. Begin the work as we study this, your word, the very words of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all know the story about this revolutionary company called Apple. Kind of a funny name when we heard it. Apple, that's weird. Does that have something to do with a garden? You thought it. You know you did. Yeah. Truly an outstanding, amazing story. Started This this multi-billion dollar company starts with four guys in a garage. As apparently all great things do, huh? and some not-so-great furniture, I don't know. (laughs) But it's amazing, and what is even more amazing is that ultimately one of the key guys of those four guys in the garage that ran this company was ultimately fired by this company. I mean, you, you can imagine that day. What do you mean you're firing me? I am this company. This company wouldn't exist without me. And think of how you might respond to such hardship. Steve Jobs is the guy's name. <clears throat> the dismissal had an enormous impact in his life, and not the way you might think. It made him realize that his passion for his work exceeded the disappointment of failure, and he decided to try something different. You may have heard of a company called Pixar. The guy started that one too. He said, "What what looked like a great loss in my life, ultimately became a great opportunity." hear me when I say this, friends. Some of the greatest opportunities that come along are when your heart is on the floor and you look around and say, what am I going to do next? How am I going to make it through this? And oh, who's at the door? Opportunity. And it's knocking. Let me in. Before we uh, continue our study of the story of Ruth, I want to explain once again, remind you of this very, very key and seemingly odd and complicated thing called a kinsman redeemer. We don't operate this way, and while it is in the Bible, it is not commanded for us like a lot of things. They are said for our benefit that we might understand, but they are not necessarily promises or commands to us. You see, the kinsman redeemer was given in the context by the Lord of uh, God having assigned each family and each tribe a section of the promised land. That's one of the very first things they did. They get into this land. They got to divide it up. You know, instead of divide and conquer, they conquered and then they divided. And families and tribes, they received an inheritance. And this was very, 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 very important. It was important to the Lord. It was certainly important to the Israelites. So to make sure that it stayed in the family, the kinsman redeemer law was instituted because sometimes difficult times come along. Someone gets sick and then you lose a job and then you lose your home and then you lose the, and it seems like a domino. What happens then? Well say you find yourself in this situation, kinsman redeemer. You see, if a man died and left land and a widow who had bore no sons, his nearest kinsman, family member, would be given the opportunity to buy his land to marry his widow and to have sons to carry on the deceased name. If he refused, you may recall reading the text you refuse to do this they take you to the elders take the sandal off your foot and spit in your face because it's the right thing to do to care for someone else that sounds like I made that up but go ahead and listen to the last Sunday sermon <laughs> it's in there friends again it's for us to read and understand not to exemplify in our lives <laughs> spitting is a bad habit Alright, so if uh, this person refused, the next furthest kin had the opportunity to buy this land and marry and, and not for his own self, but to perpetuate that name of the man who was gone. Now an important factor in this redemption, of course, was this. The kinsman redeemer had to at least be aware of what was going on. And that's the truth anyway. If you're not aware of something, you can't act on it, right? If you don't know that someone is sick or somebody's at the door and they're pacing back and forth, you can't rush out to help them or comfort them if you don't know they're there. And so they had to be made known. Very significant events going on here today. So it may seem confusing in this but remember that this is what God used to bring about something enormous. All of this design that God would bring about something so big the whole world would know about it. And so when we take a look here the first thing we see is is that Naomi sees a big opportunity in her life. And by the way, every one of us has opportunities. Some of them little tiny things. You know, you could open a door for someone and just make their life a little easier. Instead of rushing to the line at the store, if anybody goes to the store anymore, I guess. (laughs) You know, you could look around and see who's got maybe a small or something gigantic. They're dealing with 18 children and they're climbing all over. You know, how about this? Let's help those people. Here's an opportunity to demonstrate the love of God. Easy things to do. Easy, easy peasy. Sometimes there's gigantic opportunities. And we only recognize them when we see them. And then we think, oh, that's so big. I don't know if I could do that. But if the Lord has brought you to it, and the Lord provides for you to do it, then get at it. So take a look here at verse 1 to 4. And Naomi gets the bright idea that, now wait a minute, this Ruth character, remember the little background here. Ruth is a Moabite. She's one of those foreigners. You know, she's one of those people that doesn't belong here. But God had it in his law that you take care of everyone. You love the sojourner, the someone who doesn't live here but stay in here as much as you love anybody else around. And Naomi, after Ruth is gone and gleaned in the fields you remember that account she took advantage of of God's law that said look when you're gleaning your fields you don't grab every little piece if it drops something you don't go back and pick it up that's for the poor that's for the sojourner the one who doesn't have a field here now it didn't say you pick that up and you go and put it on a table and then you market it and see if anyone will go it's for them if they want to come and get it there it was. And so there she is. And she catches the eye of a fellow named Boaz. And everything that we read about this man is that he is a righteous, godly man. And he sees her and says, who is this? And he hears who it is and that he knows. Her and people talk about what a, what a spectacular young woman this is. And how she has left her people and her gods to come to the God of Israel and the people of Israel and to serve him. And she has cared for her mother-in-law, working. She was in the field to take care of her mother-in-law. Think about it. And now she says, you know what? Here's an opportunity lying at my doorstep and I've got to act on it. So verse 1 we read, that Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Now the code word here, rest, means get you a husband. And that's going to be clear as we continue on here. It's something when ultimately her husband died and her sons died and she's got these two Moabitess uh, daughters-in-law and she sends them back. Go back to your own people and your own gods and all your filth and idolatry and go find a husband there because that's most important, right? (laughs) That you might have rest. And so here she has a purpose. I'm going to make a difference in this young woman's life. And she puts together a plan, and she lays out some facts. These are things that are true that make for us a great opportunity. Look at verse 2. Is not Boaz our relative with whom the young woman you were? See, he's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor which probably means nothing to most of us, but what it means is you would go up to a higher hill when there is a breeze and in the evening there was a breeze and you would throw this grain, and all the chaff would blow away. All of the heavy good stuff would come back down. And so there he is in the evening threshing out his grain And uh, the thing about this is it's, it's not something you could just throw in a suitcase and bring home. This process would take a great deal of time. And so at night, he would sleep right there with his possession. Security. No mess with my stuff. So he's not Boaz, a relative with whom the young woman you were? See, he's winnowing barley tonight on the threshing floor. So here's the plan. Her plan is based on the availability of Boaz. Boaz is a load. Now, go wash you, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. See, the presentation of Ruth is part of this plan. Hey, doll yourself up a little bit here, okay? clean it up, anoint, smell good, put on something nice. And so part of her plan is the availability of Boaz, the presentation of Ruth, and maybe even the condition of Boaz. Because here at the end of verse 3 we read, But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. You remember what they drank back then? They had that carbonated? No, they didn't. What they had was wine. The wine was typically not alcoholic. It was so many parts water to so many parts wine. It was, but not all of it was. And we have the indication here as we read and we'll see later on that he had drunk and he was feeling kind of merry. And so the plan that Naomi has as she puts it together and sees all the pieces of the puzzle, the availability of Boaz, the presentation of Ruth, the condition of Boaz, and the assumption of Boaz's character. See, he had a reputation in the community of being a righteous man, and she was counting on it. All of these actions, of course, are designed to make Ruth attractive to Bo- as attractive to Bo as is possible and to break down any resistance he might have. She's setting him up. In the best of ways, though. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. And look at how Ruth responds here in verse 5. And she replied, All that you say, I will do. Imagine that. All that you say, I will do. Boy, there's a good doctrinal statement. All that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. And at midnight, did we skip something? I think we did. Verse 4. See, when he lays down, observe the place where he lies. Then, did we miss this? It feels like we did. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he'll tell you what to do. Well, we repeated if we had already covered that, but now notice that here she is to go do that. At midnight, the man, oh, good heavens, David. Verse 7, And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid down. And at midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. She was definitely not there when I laid down. What's she doing there now? Now, you and I would just be absolutely beside ourselves in confusion. What are you doing? But you will notice he got some information quick. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are our Redeemer. And then, bing, the light came on. Or as we say in America, Oh, I get it now. She's asking me to play the part of the kinsman redeemer. She chose me to do that. Imagine. And so here we have seen that Naomi has seized the opportunity to do something that is good for Na- uh, for Ruth. But here is an opportunity, literally laying at Boaz's feet. And he seizes the opportunity to do what's right. And this is where she's counting on his character. That this man sees it for what it indeed is. Instead of some kind of sexual thing. So notice what he says here in verse 10. He recognizes the situation and he says, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first and that you have not gone after young men whether poor or rich. And he agrees to the proposal. And now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And he recognizes some obstacles to this opportunity. Friends, if you're looking for opportunities without obstacles, you're going to wait for a long time, I'll tell you that. And he says, and now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Dun, dun, dun. And now here we are, the plot is complicated. What happens? Does he just walk away then? (laughs) Notice, my friends, what he says here in verse 15. Verse 13. He dealt with Ruth with integrity. He says, remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet. Notice how the scripture makes that very clear. They didn't snuggle in in the morning, my friends. She laid at his feet. But arose before one could recognize another while it was still dark. It's a euphemism. Yeah. And so she got up when it was still dark, and he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the uh, threshing floor. So looking out for her integrity as well as his, let's do this right. Oh, blessed are those who say, no, we're going to do this the right way. Though it is more complicated, though it is more difficult, though there is much risk, we will do it the right way way and notice what he how he responds here he says bring me the garment that you are wearing and hold it out like this okay probably would have been longer and carried more i don't know and he says so so she held it out and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her then she went into the city and when she came to her mother-in-law she said how did you fare Now, that literally says, who are you? (laughs) Now, this has been changed because if, if she walked in and Naomi said, who are you to Ruth, you might say, what in the world's going on there? And so the translators, to make it clear, have translated this, how do you fare? Because what she's asking is, are you Mrs. Boaz yet? Who are you? Tell me your name. Yeah. Then she told her all the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he had said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. What a guy. But all of the excitement at all of these things, he still had time to think about someone else. And she replied, This is Naomi. See, he responded with great generosity. He agrees to this proposal. He recognizes the obstacles, but he dealt with integrity and he responded with generosity. You see, he not only left her with a great provision, but also with a great promise. And Obi replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest. But we'll settle the matter today. Opportunities. Seizing the opportunities. That's what we're talking about here today. These two people had opportunities. Here is this Moabite woman. People can talk. What were you doing in Moab to begin with? Did not the Lord God say to us? But she cared for her. And in return, Ruth cared for her. And she took the opportunity to do something good for someone else. And here is Boaz. With an opportunity literally at his feet. He does the right thing in the right way. He doesn't cut any corners. No, it is not right that I should take the first step here there is another one who is closer and I will go talk to him. Because he may not know. But it's his right. Doing the right thing. Hmm. Friends, if we were to wrap this all up and crumple it up in our hand and squeeze it together, we would look at it and we would see that God carries out his work. Through believers who seize unexpected opportunities from God. Unexpected opportunities from God. Good Samaritan. Friends, I'm probably going to reference that one for the next six months as well. Because we know what it means. Here was this man. Beaten and robbed lying on the side of the road. One comes along, Levi. Well, I'm not getting involved with that. I've got things to do that are important. I'm serving the Lord today. Imagine. And a priest, very same thing. Theologically, well, he probably deserved this. This is God's judgment on this man. But not so the Samaritan. Cleaned his wounds with oil. Bandaged him up. Put him on his own mule. And took him to the inn. And left money there. Imagine that. Well this guy could be on drugs for heaven's sakes. We can't trust people. (laughs) Yeah. said if you spend anything more I'll pay you when I get back. And why does that story matter so much? Because that is God's expectation for us. The great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. Remember the imagery of there you are with a dead battery and jumper cables hoping someone will come and help you. Just let me hook it up to your bed. Ba- you don't even have to come out of the car, but please, somebody help me. Love your neighbor as yourself. What would you want someone do done to you? Go and do that. There's your opportunities, my friends. Open your eyes to them. You never know. You never know what God might do. Change a life. Change a church. Hmm. So be the first to help. There's an opportunity. Say, I will. I will get involved. I will do what is good. Anticipate that God is at work. Do you anticipate that God is at work in your life and around you? I mean, are there certain places where God only works? Well, you know, that's not Sunday anymore, it's Tuesday, and i got things to do. You know? Anticipate that God is at work going through the line at the grocery store. Or at McDonald's, when you're like, I could get by that guy if they'll just answer my reply. Come on, hello, hello, I want a Big Mac! Come on! gotta beat this guy maybe let that guy go yeah but you'll have to wait another 45 seconds friends if 45 seconds is too much for you you need to loosen up your schedule a little bit come on seek the opportunities take advantage of them and choose what is right even if the reward looks iffy hey, this might blow up in my face, but it's the right thing to do. Let's see, what should I do? The right thing. And remember, he who knows the right thing to do and does it not, to him it is sin. Sin. And remember, please friends, remember this, there is an opportunity in every difficulty Every traffic jam, every guy cut me off, every opportunity, every difficulty, there's an opportunity. Open your eyes to it. Anticipate that God is at work. What is it, Lord? What is it that I should see? Why have you slowed me down that I might focus in on something? What is it? There is an opportunity in every difficulty.